Welcome to the Chrisman Commentary Daily Mortgage News Podcast. I'm your host, Robbie Chrisman. Topics on today's episode include borrower retention, my interview with Polensky Bottle Green's Marty Green on the Fed's no-hike decision last week and how the central bank is weighing financial conditions moving forward, and is the Fed becoming a broken record? Today's podcast is brought to you by Encino, makers of the Encino Mortgage Suite for the modern mortgage lender. Encino Mortgage Suite's three core products, Encino Mortgage, Encino Incentive Compensation, and Encino Mortgage Analytics, unite the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process. See how Encino can support a home ownership journey that your borrowers and your team will love at Encino.com. LOs and brokers are good at staying in touch with potential clients and continue to prospect and talk to previous clients. A good reason to talk to previous clients is about their credit card balances. As noted in this podcast recently, Americans' credit card debt hit a record $1.08 trillion, that's trillion with a T, in the third quarter, with delinquencies led by millennials, according to the Federal Reserve Bank of New York. So, LOs, this means your clients are potentially paying 20-30% to 30% in non-tax-deductible interest on their outstanding credit card debt, a good reason to touch base. Speaking of taxes, as we wrap up every year and think about taxes that will be paid, the tax burden for most LOs and senior management will be less than in previous years. And it brings up the topic of how lenders pay their mortgage loan originators. Is it W-2 or 1099? Is one or the other against the law? Is a payroll method a recruiting tactic? What happens when DRE brokers hire independent contractor mortgage loan originators? Do state laws differ from federal laws, and do those differ from agency rules, like HUD, for example? And where does the SAFE Act fit in? All right, that's enough questions. Let me say this up front. An informal, non-scientific poll conducted by yours truly shows that W-2 dominates and has for years. Of course, MLOs should remember that their compensation should not result in the steering of borrowers toward one program or another. Some do not know the difference legally between an MLO, a mortgage brokerage, and a net branch. An MLO is not a mortgage broker. Those in the business should know that the issue of W-2s versus 1099s depends on the facts and circumstances of the job, not what license you hold. An MLO license from DBO or a real estate license with an MLO endorsement from DRE, it still depends on the job. Recall back some years when the industry looked to the CFPB for payroll guidance. The CFPB MLO comp rule squelched 1099 and focused on W-2. And state laws do not supersede a federal MLO comp law. For today's interview, I wanted to welcome back to the show Polensky Vital Green's Marty Green on the Fed's no-hike decision last week and how the central bank is weighing financial conditions moving forward. I think he's my most regular contributor on the show, so that's about as much of a bio as we're going to give him today. I read some commentary that you released about the Fed's rate decision last week, and you essentially said that the Fed's only sensible play at this last meeting was to hold Pat. Uh, What's your reasoning behind saying that? Well, I think that they were did not have to do anything at their last meeting, and yet real rates went up. 
So when real rates are already going up, there's no real reason for them to take additional action. So it seemed to me that the sensible thing for them to do, particularly with the other uncertainty in the world that had sort of come since their last meeting, which was what's going on in Israel and the continuing conflict in in Ukraine, would be to leave the rates steady where they were because they were already getting the desired results in terms of more constrained financial uh, conditions. And so things were moving in the proper direction, and there was no reason for them to accelerate that by an additional move at this point. Just for a little extra color here, can you explain why the the rise in rates for treasuries and mortgages in essence equates to another interest rate increase? Sure, because uh, what basically what happened since the Fed's last meeting is that they, they kept rates steady at the last meeting before they met uh, just a few days ago. And in in response to that, and, and actually as a result of two things, I think one is the lag effect of their policy decisions, but also I think the market was starting to believe that them when they said that they were going to keep rates higher for longer, that had a real impact in terms of real interest rates that real people have to pay in the sense that mortgage rates went up in terms of, of over 8%, uh, which was a new high from what we had seen previously. Uh, you also saw other bond rates in terms of the treasury rates also go up uh, pretty significantly. So that they were already getting the desired impact of uh, tighter financial conditions as a result of that before they ever met this time, which is one of the reasons I said that I thought that their sensible position at this point should be the least rate steady and see where this continues to lead. Now, it could be that that reverses course at some point, in which case they may have to consider it another hike. But I think at this point, the sensible thing for them to do is to allow the lag effect to take effect and uh, to let the markets continue to work and digest what they've told us so far. And uh, that probably means that uh, they would not need to do anything in the December meeting as well, based upon uh, my projection at this point. So not to belabor the point here, but in the Fed statement, they referenced monetary conditions and they referenced financial conditions. Can you explain the difference between those two things that the Fed referenced in its statement? The way I understand it, monetary conditions is really what the Fed's actions are impacting. So what they're doing is impacting the size of the money supply, which has been shrinking, as well as sort of overnight lending rates to banks. And that's what they mean by their adoption of monetary policy, which monetary policy was unchanged. But even though monetary uh, policy was unchanged at the last two meetings, financial conditions continued to tighten. What that means is that how that monetary uh, position takes in effect takes effect in the economy with lending. And basically, lending continued to contract. You had saw underwriting continue to be a little bit more constrained and the availability of credit to continue to be reduced. So in financial conditions, looks at it more broadly than just the Fed's actions in, in terms of how the market is digesting those actions. This historical rate hiking cycle has been in your words, inordinately painful for the mortgage industry. And hopefully with another industry pause here, uh, we're looking at some relief. What would potentially cause the Fed to hike rates again? Well, I think there's a, several things that could happen. One is you could, I think the most likely thing is that they would see uh, inflation not coming down nearly as much as they would like, or it actually accelerate at some point. You could see some inflationary pressures that they want to tap, tap down on. So I think that's the most likely thing that you would see. I think you could see some wage pressures or some other things on the employment side 
as well that would make them the concern that you were going to see a flare up if they didn't take some preemptive action. So I think those are the two things. Uh, and everything I think relates back to the inflation concern that the Fed has, which is still, I think, the dominant concern that they have going forward at this point. I know a lot of people out there have given Fed Chair Powell flack for his quantitative easing actions and essentially pulling demand forward in the economic cycle. And we're seeing that pain evidence in the mortgage industry currently. Volumes at an incredibly low pace compared to years prior. At what point, though, does Fed Chair Powell deserve kudos for pulling off a, a soft landing here? It seems like we're headed in, in that direction. Well, it looks like we are. I think, you know, what I would say a soft landing, you don't get credit for it until it's pretty steadily in the rearview mirror, because I think until you know it's there and you've you've experienced it for about six months and, and are fairly confident that it's been achieved, that's when you get kudos for it. It's not like landing an airplane and it's pretty immediate that you know uh, that it was a good landing. It's something that you see it somewhat in retrospect because and so I think he will get some credit for it if that's indeed what happens. But I still think that's several uh, months down the road before they can declare victory and go home. And finally, before I let you go today, do you believe that the Fed has acted in any political capacity throughout the last couple of years? Historically, the Fed is, is meant to be apolitical, but uh, kind of open, open-ended question for you there. Sure. Well, I, I certainly agree with you that it's intended to be apolitical. I would say that no matter what side of the aisle you were on uh, in, in this kind of polarized political climate, you can look at certain of their actions and see political overtones for it or political reasons for them to take not kind of not take action at particular times. Uh, so I think if you're far on the right and you see uh, or, or looking at it through a, a right-leaning lens, you may see the, the inaction of the Fed at this point forward as being politically motivated. Um, if you were cynically on the left, then you may have seen the up uh, upticks and, and how rapidly that happened as uh, as being politically motivated as well. I still think the Fed is is striving very much to be apolitical, but I think in these hyper-politicized uh, times, no matter what they do, one side or the other is going to see some political reasons for it. <laughs> uh, my friends that are the most political of, of my friend group find politics in everything. So I think that's, that's, well that's right on your end there. Uh, Mr. Green, thank you very much for the time. As always, I, I very much appreciate it. Robbie, thanks for having me back. Look forward to talking soon. In interest rate news, have you heard the good word? Mortgage rates dropped by 25 basis points last week to 7.6%. The dip was driven by Treasury issuance, the Fed's stance on rates, and the lighter-than-expected jobs report. Before we get too excited... Keep in mind the longer-term trend in lending rates is higher, and a drop of this magnitude over the same time frame has happened no fewer than seven times over the past year, after which mortgage rates begin to move back up again. Fed Chairman Powell spoke at a Fed conference yesterday, urging Fed economists to be flexible on forecast methods, but did not discuss monetary policy. Today he takes part in a panel discussion, so there is still potential for market-moving commentary. Today's economic calendar kicked off with weekly jobless claims, and at 217,000, about as expected, down 3,000 from 220,000 the previous week. There are 1.834 million continuing claims. Later today brings Treasury auctions, including one for $24 billion of 30-year bonds, 
Freddie Mac's latest primary mortgage market survey, and heavy Fed speak, including the aforementioned Chair Powell, Atlanta President Bostic, Richmond President Barkin, and St. Louis Interim President Pace. Or maybe he's really Italian and it's Paese. It's P-A-E-S-E. I don't know. He's only an intern. It's not worth, not worth learning. We begin the day with agency MBS prices, roughly unchanged from Wednesday, which were roughly unchanged from Tuesday, and the 10-year yielding 4.54 after closing yesterday at a six-week low of 4.52%. Let's wrap up with a joke and some housekeeping. Years ago, my mother-in-law began reading The Exorcist. She said it was the most evil book she'd ever read. So evil, in fact, she couldn't finish it. Took it to the ocean and threw it off the pier. So I went out, bought another copy, ran it under the faucet, and left it beside her bed. <laughs> oh, I'm going to hell. Thanks again to today's podcast sponsor, Encino. Makers of the Encino Mortgage Suite, with three products tailored to the needs of the modern mortgage lender. Encino Mortgage, Encino Incentive Compensation, and Encino Mortgage Analytics unite the people, systems, and stages of the mortgage process. If you have any questions about the podcast or sponsoring opportunities, send me an email at robbie at robchrisman.com. Visit robchrisman.com for more information on our industry partners, access to archived commentaries, and how to subscribe to the daily mortgage news and commentary. To listen to or download past episodes of this podcast, search Mortgage News on any platform you get your podcast from.